Welcome to the Dead Arm Dynasty podcast, where we try to give a refreshingly candid take on the long-term fantasy value of football players throughout college and the NFL for all you Debbie League, Campus to Canton, and Dynasty fantasy football managers. We're just three friends who spent all our time talking fantasy anyway, so we figured why not get a few mics and capture our conversations. My name's Rick, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Josh Pecoraro and Jacob Ellis, a.k.a. Jealous. And today we'll be picking up where we left off in our draft recap, looking at wide receivers for Dynasty, fantasy purposes in general, redraft, all that good stuff. Uh, let's kick it off with the number 105 pick to Cincinnati, Jamar Chase uh, out of LSU, out of that uh, super group with Jamar Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, played with Joe, Joe Burrow, and gets to go back to Joe Burrow. What do we think of Jamar's long-term value? I think that's where I, I love it. I love the fact that Cincinnati put emphasis in getting Joe Burrow, one of his main targets that he had a great rapport with at LSU. Granted, Jamar Chase was the number one wide receiver in this class, so, I mean, he was going to be going first, first wide receiver off the board, but I'm glad that Cincinnati went with him. Um, I I love it. I He's probably the third pick off the board in rookie drafts behind Pitts and Najee, and he slots right in as their number one wide receiver. He's got a bunch of other receivers as well that are good to help spread out the ball as well. Um, you got Tyler Boyd there. You got T. Higgins, who had a great year last year as well, and saw what production T. Higgins could get from Joe Burrow. And Jamar Chase is a lot better receiver than T. Higgins is, so you can <laughs> get a lot of production out of him, especially with Burrow. Coming out of his rookie season, coming off the ACL, but I Jamar Chase is somebody you're able to plug in day one into your wide receiver position and get some production from. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I okay, I personally would have gone, if I was Cincinnati, I would have taken Penny Sewell. I think he, you know, in that spot. But regardless. Protect Joe's knee. Yeah. <laughs> regardless, fantasy-wise, this is probably his best landing spot. So, um for fantasy purposes, it couldn't have gotten any better than, than him falling to or him being taken by the Bengals, reuniting, obviously, with his college teammate. And then, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Josh, T. Higgins had some great production. I, I still, you know, we still know Tyler Boyd's there. So I wonder kind of where exactly Chase is going to fall into that depth chart. I mean, do you go I, – I think what would make the most sense would be – you know, probably chase Higgins and put Boyd into that slot position. But Chase can play the X, the Y, and the Z. So he can yep. play all over the field. So I guess I don't really give a shit where exactly, what, you know, if he plays out wider in the slot because he can play everywhere and he's a, he's a threat all over the place. The other thing that's encouraging about Chase, Justin Jefferson was LSU's second receiver on that stack team with Burrow and he put up these mad numbers his rookie season so that leads me to believe Chase can do the same thing that Jefferson did last year if not surpass it I, you know he's a guy that you plug into your you know into redraft leagues in as a wide receiver two or a flex spot ideally you have a better wide receiver one but he's somebody that you can start right away in redraft and then obviously the same same in dynasty yeah, I think I think that that Bengals trio of wide receivers is one of the best in the league. Suddenly, uh, and it doesn't really matter where they put each player. I think that Chase deserves to be the number one right away. 
Uh, I think Higgins is a perfect number two, and Boyd's great in the slot. So they, they've got a, a recipe for success with Joe Burrow. Um, and obviously Joe Burrow's going to defer to the guy that he loves throwing to all the time. So why not Why not chase to have a 1,000-plus-yard season right out the gates? Good for redraft, amazing for Dynasty, easy uh, top three pick for Dynasty uh, yep. purposes. Yep. Like you um, said, he's one you can – any format you're in, he's he's a good yep. guy to grab. Yep. Doesn't matter day format one, at all. Day one starter. Yep. No yeah. question. Uh, let's let's jump into the guy drafted immediately after him, Jalen Waddle, out of my uh, out of Alabama to Miami, uh, back to play with Tua again after uh, saying that Mac Jones is a better quarterback than him just like a month earlier than that. What do we think <laughs> of? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Jalen Waddle. What's his what's his outlook as this uh, Tyreek Hill esque speedster who's going to be like the third, I don't know, third receiver on this team. What do you guys think the convo was when Waddle <laughs> got drafted the first time he <laughs> talked to Tua after having those comments about him? Well, I think the good part there is that Tua is just like this insanely kind person who's, you know, it's very much... Uh, he's got those Hawaiian he, just yeah, chill vibes. He, he's got the Hawaiian vibes. That he's, he's th- he, try, he tries to be like, you know, Jesus as much as possible. I know he's a, he's a devout Christian. Um, I, I'm sure that Tua did not care at all that Waddle said that, and that saved Waddle from a very awkward conversation that he deserved to have. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna take that the other, the complete opposite way. I, if Waddle came up to me and I was Tua, I'd have been like, okay, like Jalen, you're fucking with me, right? Like, <laughs> like you know that that you know you're lying to everybody when you say that, right? But uh, you know. Thankfully, Waddles with you know not a Patriot, he'll have a better quarterback into a than than with Mac. Uh, yeah. So Waddles, Waddles, he's in for a pretty solid career. I, you know, he draws comparisons. You know, the high end is obviously Tyreek Hill, but he also can draw the exa- a very very similar comp with his teammate Will Fuller, speedster, downfield threat. Fuller's very, injury very threat. injury prone. <laughs> Waddle missed most of last season with a busted up ankle. So I think when he's on the field, he's going to be strong. And I, I hope he can stay on the field. I, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, an ankle, that's a freak thing. That's not like, you know, it's not like some guy who's got, you know, chronic hamstring pull issues or anything like that. It's, it's, it's not a soft tissue injury. So that worries me less, but so I think when he's on the field, he's going to be strong, and he's going to show that he's their top receiver by year's end over Devontae Parker, over Will Fuller, just just based on talent alone. Yeah, he's one of the most talented receivers in this draft, and I do really like the rapport that he had with Tua, so I think that's going to help out a lot. I, I just want to see more from Tua on the field, though, for him to be a productive fantasy asset. I mean, straight up talent-wise, I think you could make the argument that he's the second most talented receiver in his division, right behind Stefan Diggs. Yeah. The Jets have nobody. Yeah, Jets and Pats. And the Pats have nobody. You're not going to Until Julio gets traded into it. Oh, yeah, if Julio goes there, okay. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But you could still make the argument that he's the second most talented receiver in the division, and he's going to – and those guys – get their targets so 
Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Dynasty format on it. He's somebody you take in the first round wide receiver to hopefully get that report with Tua, build on, and have a great fantasy career. Redraft, somebody to target mid to late rounds when they start getting depleted a little bit, take a chance on him and hopefully be able to plug him in. You should be able to plug him in from day one as long as he's healthy. He's going to be on the field, but it's just you need to see bigger games from Tua to help out with the fantasy aspect. Of that it. is Tua wasn't. Tua wasn't throwing for a ton of yards or touchdowns last year when he was in, but it's his second year now, so you hope more from Tua on that. But, again, for redraft purposes, it's it might be a little bit of a struggle with Tua getting the ball around to the three different receivers and having Waddle be productive enough for you to feel confident putting into your lineup. That's my that's in- my only – or, well, I guess my – A, he's assuming he comes back from that ankle injury strong. I'm good with that. But the second thing, obviously, like you said – Tua last year had multiple games where he threw under 100 yards. We can't have that. Waddle can't have that. So, And and I I, I would assume that Brian Flores is going to kind of like let it loose a little more now that there is no Fitzpatrick to, you know, come in and save the day. He's going to, I mean, they're going to be forced to have Tua, you know, with the ball around the field. And, and hopefully year two is when he can make that happen. Yeah, I my only thought to add here is especially for this upcoming season where Tua needs to bridge this gap between his not so hot rookie season and what will hopefully be an okay rest of his career is that Waddle comes in to immediately give Tua a short-range target that is also a very dangerous target. Waddle can take a slant to the house so easily and Odell Tua Beckham can hit vibes. The, yeah, yeah, Tua can hit a slant. Tua might not be ready to hit the 40-yard bomb to his outside receiver, but he can still hit his guys over the middle. He can still hit Gasicki, and now he can hit Waddle on these mid-range routes that, that Waddle can then be very dangerous with afterwards. You don't spend a six-overall pick in the NFL draft on a guy who's going to be just your wide receiver three for life. So clearly Waddle's got the talent, and this uh, offense with Tua kind of working his way up this is a good opportunity for Waddle to be the guy that bridges the gap to get Tua to his potential. Yep. Something else to throw in there, too, is Will Fuller V is suspended for the first couple games of the season, too. So Waddle Again? might have the, a bigger is role. Is he still suspended? Yeah. I thought he served those four <laughs> games for the PED mm-hmm. thing. Is that not... He's still got, I believe he's still got the first two games of this season. Jeez. God, that right, guy. Right. I'm sure he took those Fuller. PEDs to try to stay healthy, but God, he's doing himself no favors. Well, I guess take your pick. Injured for eight weeks or suspended for six. That uh, payday makes a difference too. That's why all, that's why Braun took hit took the PEDs he did. <laughs> Try to stay healthy so he could get his big payday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should that should about wrap up Waddle though. Just a quick update. We did mention Julio Jones in the previous segment. We recorded this before his trade to the Titans. He's also going to be mentioned in a future segment. So. Feel free to ignore any mention of Julio within this episode. Let's move on to his Alabama teammate, Devonta Smith, who is going to rejoin another Alabama QB in Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Uh, they picked him with the 10 overall pick in the NFL draft, nicknamed the Slim Reaper. His only knock <laughs> by anyone is that he's undersized. What What are we thinking for his his value? Yeah, I I the size issue is definitely a concern for me we 
we saw what happened with like i mean Tavon austin he got drafted i believe in the he was a top eight i think he was went number eight top half of the first yeah i I think he was top 10 and we saw where he ended up i mean essentially irrelevant so i'm not super high on him long term however the eagles have jalen rager and their other their next best guy is going to be greg ward who greg ward should not be contributing to a solid team so Smith will, Devontae Smith, he will get his targets. He will get his catches. They'll get him the ball. But I'm not, I would, I, I'm not super high on him. Just long story short. Yeah, he's he's a great route runner, though. So he gets open, gives Jalen Hurts somebody to hit. Um, they do have the rapport as well. Like the last two wide receivers that we've talked about, Jalen Hurts and Smith both played together at Alabama for a couple seasons early on in their career. So, you never know what that aspect of it. It's been quite a few years since they played together with that. Um, yeah, you got Jalen Rager there like you had touched on, L. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be more on what that offense looks like. You got a new coach coming into Philly this season, and we'll kind of go from there. I, think. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's a joke. He's, yeah. Oh, it's, literal it's laughing sad. stock. Yes, so – We'll see what that offense looks like. He's got all the potential in the world. He's a talented receiver. Can he hold up with his body size? That's a big question. You hope he can. But, um, I mean, his time at Alabama, he's a Heisman winner. He He's talented as they get. And he's somebody, yeah, for redraft purposes, you can target. He's going to be playing from day one that you can throw into your lineup. Um, obviously, you wouldn't be confident with him as your wide receiver one or two but somebody wide receiver three flex play might be able to throw him in probably sit him for the first couple weeks kind of see what their offense looks like and everything and then dynasty purposes somebody that is going to be a first round round wide receiver in your league and again with like waddle you just hope he is able to produce and be a number one wide receiver for you down the road yeah i i think the obviously like everyone says the size is the the concern he was okay in college, so let's assume he can be healthy. If so, then I think he, when he goes up against the top-notch corners, I think that's where he's going to struggle because they can rough him up a little more and still read his routes better than the average corner can. So when when he goes up against Jalen Ramsey, that's the guy. I would. I was just gonna. I would I absolutely gonna not start Devonta Smith uh, at all. But um, if he's going up against you know a cupcake defense and they have no corners that can stop him, yeah, he's going to be good. He's going to get his, and it'll work out for fantasy purposes. So he, he's going to have his value. He's going to be a starter in this league for a long time, and it'll be it'll be fun to see whether this, uh, you know, this big trend that everyone talks about that the wide receiver cores in the NFL just in general are getting smaller, and that's going to be okay and normal and successful. We'll find out, and Devonta Smith is a great example of how we're going to find out. Uh I was just Jelly like the <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. I could see him just just bully, 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 bully. Him not getting past the you know that five yard mark yeah. at all during certain. Devonta routes. Smith laying on the ground two yards just into his route because Jalen Ramsey put him on <laughs> him. Stephon Gilmore. I I and you know I they're only gonna play each other once a year. It's not right. You know so or if that, um, you know the, that the rest of that division, you're 
not looking at a bunch of stud corners. I mean, da- James Dallas, Bradbury Dallas could, barely could do has pretty a well. corner right now. They didn't end up getting James one. Bradbury in New York. Yeah, okay. So New York has the best the best secondary in that division, probably. Yeah. I mean, Washington has that insane front seven, but their secondary is what's the question mark. And Dallas right. doesn't. They might as well just. They might as well just give up seven points every every time that they <laughs> and, and and try to win the game, scoring touchdowns and going for two every time. Because yeah, they're playing Madden and they're simulating like the defense for freaking real. So <laughs> I, I mean, I I. What do you guys think about him in Dynasty versus redrafts? I mean, I would rank him pretty similarly. Just be- very similar. Because yeah, I don't see both. him having, you know, hashtag size matters. I, I, I mean. <laughs> is that a hashtag? It is now. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and so I, I could see him having a really strong, if he's going to be a stud at all. It's gonna happen right away, and it's gonna be within his first two to three years. He's not. It's not like he's gonna pop at year four or five, you know. So yeah, there's no delay on Devonta. He's not getting you know, bigger. You're gonna exactly. As time goes on. So yeah, yeah. I I think I think that should that should cover it for Devonta. Same same for Dynasty redraft. It's not like his role is gonna change. He's already the one. Uh, let's let's jump into a. Polar opposite physical specimen, Rashad Bateman, taller, heavier, going to be that uh, contested catch threat for Baltimore. Uh, picked in the late first round, playing for Lamar Jackson. What do we think uh, Rashad's going to do, not just year one, but long term? I liked Rashad in college. With us being Wisconsin Badger fans, we got to see a lot of him with our rival Minnesota Golden Gophers. So he was solid in as a wide receiver at Minnesota, very good with contested catches, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. Um, the main thing that I think you guys will agree with me completely is we need to see more from Lamar Jackson throwing the ball too. He's another yep. one that's like Tua that's throwing for 200 yards a game sometimes, in the hundreds even, and mostly rushing it. So they need to open up their passing attack, and if they do, Rashad Bateman is a great target for Lamar, and I think – He'll do wonders in your fantasy lineup, but in the meantime, we need to see a lot more from Lamar Jackson in the passing game for Rashad Bateman to be relevant on your fantasy team, I think. Yeah, I I love him. I love the pick by the Ravens. I thought they got a, you know, one of the top, you know, top. There was a, there were a lot of good receivers in this draft. Um, yep. But he's still in other in other years where there wasn't this deep of a wide receiver class he would have probably gone in the teens just based off his production at minnesota and is just just his straight up talent so i love the pick by the ravens but like you just said this has to be a kind of a wait and see approach and i that doesn't help you in your drafts at all of course there really <laughs> is no way to have a wait and see approach while you're drafting but i i mean he's gonna step in as or at least he i would assume he's gonna step up into their one their wide receiver one role in Baltimore. His competition is Marquise Brown, who probably should be a three, and Sammy Watkins, who probably should be a three or four. I would assume Bateman steps in there. He is gonna be, you know, him and Mark Andrews are gonna or Mark Andrews is gonna take some of those targets away. Uh just with how much Lamar really likes to use Andrews, especially near the goal uh near the goal line. But Bateman's going to be the best receiver that Lamar's ever had. 
and so hopefully that allows Baltimore to whip it around a bit. Um, but again, I I don't I just don't have a lot of confidence, at least hard confidence, that he's gonna be, you know, at least a prominent player right away. Yeah, and you hope with the first round draft capital that they try and make him more of a focal point in the offense, just with them using the first round pick at the wide receiver position, and he should slot in as a wide receiver one, bare minimum their wide receiver two from day one. So in the high high octane offense like they have you got to draft if he's available later on in the draft the number one wide receiver for a high octane offense and just hope that they start utilizing the passing game more the 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 one reason why i do have some pretty high hopes on bateman it's pretty clear that lamar needs some pretty wide windows to throw in and bateman is arguably the best between him and jamar chase the best route runner in this well and Devonte smith as well but he's a great route runner he'll get open and hopefully that'll allow allow uh, lamar to see him and at least get the ball to him within his you know catch radius yeah I, i'm gonna follow the the narrative over the numbers here if we check the numbers Last year, Lamar's average yards per game passing was 184, which is atrocious. Uh, but if, if we take a look at just the, the narrative around all this, last year, Lamar had no one to throw to and an offense that was built around him rushing the ball, which was so successful uh, this season before that. And it was still quite successful last year, but teams started to figure out the Ravens a little bit. What the Ravens told us in their draft this season is that they need to change their offense so that they are not so predictable. They draft Bateman in the first. They go get uh, Tylen Wallace in, what, the third or fourth. They're, they're clearly making a point to say, we can't just rely on Lamar to run and a running back to run anymore. That can't be our only tool in our toolbox. So we're going to give Lamar the tools that he really needs to successfully throw the ball. That narrative tells me that this season, Lamar is going to end up throwing for, you know, a plus uh, over 200 average yards per game and a bunch of that's going to go to Bateman because Bateman is the he goes and gets it and does all the hard work on his end not Lamar throwing it to tight windows so I I'd like to draft the talent here over some of these other guys that we'll end up talking about because Bateman's got the talent the landing spot looks gross but the Ravens are clearly making the commitment to fix it and make that landing spot a little ni- nicer uh, going forward. I just, I <laughs> I mean, going back to what you said about that Ravens offense, and are they going to really force the passing game? Because even when Greg Roman was the OC in San Fran with Kaepernick, Kaepernick put up mad fantasy numbers, just like Lamar is, but none of his receivers really did, as far as I can remember. I, I guess I don't know who his receivers would have been back then, Exactly. Um, I think that but that's my point. part of the... That's my yeah. point. So, I don't know. I mean, Greg Roman's... He's going to have to change. And Harbaugh's yeah. maybe going to have to force that change. Or Ozzie I think Harbaugh's going to do it. Is yeah. going to have to really yeah. force that well, change. I think you have to just for Lamar's long-term health, too. I mean, he yeah. you keep running him. He's going to get drilled, and his body's just going to start getting worn down, too. So, I think for their franchise sake, they... They need to start working on the passing well, game. Well, I, I think even beyond that and the and the long term health of Lamar, I think that we found the ceiling on the Ravens. 
it's basically win a playoff game and in round two you're probably out so i think that's more of a concern than lamar's long-term health is just you know yeah you have they to, learned you have they can't the win a super bowl this way they have to change yeah. defenses know how to defend them now they have to change so they're trying and that's what i'm going to trust i obviously i'm not saying overdraft or shot bateman or draft him as if he landed it on the falcons or something but <laughs> that would be phenomenal. I, I'm, <laughs> but i i'm just saying don't assume that this is going to be the same ravens as last year because that would be a horrible management decision and i'm trusting that the ravens is a good enough organization to not be that dumb ozzy newsom uh, knows what he's doing yes yeah, yeah it's it's a good organization yeah, they know how to really strong they, they planned around how to work with Lamar, and they've been successful at that. Now they need to adjust. They will adjust. It'll be fine. Um, let's let's move on. Next up, uh, we got Elijah Moore headed to the Jets, joining uh, fellow rookies Zach Wilson, Michael Carter. He went uh, at the very beginning of the second round at the two pick. What do, what do we think? He's a you know little little shorter guy, slot guy, Big but e. but uh, highly highly talented out of Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I really liked Elijah Moore a lot. I was very disappointed in the landing spot with the Jets. But, again, like we talked about a little bit earlier on, new coaches, so you got to have a little bit more hope than when <laughs> the other guy was there last year that I'm not even going to mention because he's not worth my time. <laughs> but um, you like, too, that they've got a new quarterback coming in. It's fresh, doesn't have any rapport with anyone whatsoever, too. So Elijah Moore's got a good opportunity to carve out a role in the offense and make a big name for himself as well. As far as redraft leagues, I wouldn't be as hopeful. The Jets are going to be down in games, don't have to pass the ball, but Zach Wilson's going to be learning, so it's not going to be huge games or anything like that from Elijah Moore. Dynasty outlook, it's going to be, again, tied to Zach Wilson a lot and what Zach Wilson's production looks like, but I think Elijah's got all the talent in the world and would be able to be a wide receiver one and be a very good asset on your dynasty team, but it's going to depend on Zach Wilson, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm a lot higher on on Elijah Moore in dynasty than I am in a redraft league. Absolutely, you got. They just signed Corey Davis. He's gonna he's gonna be out there. Jamison Crowder has been their most productive wide receiver over the last couple of years, which is sad but true. And Denzel Mims, they just they took early last year. So you he's got three guys to compete with. Right now he slots in as as of right now, probably their fourth receiver. So he's gonna be battling for playing time. But at the same time, in dynasty wise, I I think it's a home run. I mean he's he the talent is clear. Ole Miss has a really sweet, you know, reputation with wide receivers, especially ones that DK and AJ DK and AJ Brown <laughs> LeCron Treadwell that's <laughs> oh god oh Thanks, god Josh. <laughs> yeah okay well <laughs> really was, great history that was uh okay let's say more recent history then yes uh, <laughs> I just I had to throw that out there they all shared a field together Elijah DK and AJ that's a hell of a wide that's receiver score. that's a ridiculous score Oh my God! I forgot about Treadwell. Holy God! What a disaster! Go, go Vikings! <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, no, I mean dynasty wise, I think he's you could he's more talented straight up just with his athleticism than Corey Davis. 
than Jamison Crowder. Him and Denzel Mims, I think, are the future of that receiving core. And I would probably think that Elijah Moore has a bigger upside than Mims. So I love him in Dynasty. I don't necessarily love him in year one in a redraft. Agreed. In Dynasty, I struggle to see a more stable situation than what Elijah has besides maybe Jamar Chase. Like, Devonta's going to be the one, but with a Jalen Hurts who does not have a very pretty passing history so far. Jalen Waddle with Tua, who has struggled so far. Bateman in Baltimore, who we just mentioned, don't throw enough. Elijah Moore goes into an offense with a guy who was just drafted to be their new golden arm. Long term, I love, love, love the situation he walks into. Even if he stays a slot receiver forever, I don't care. They're going to, NFL teams all start three receivers now. He's always going to be on the field. He's going to get a ton of targets from Zach Wilson. I love the long-term it's value. It's just like what we were talking about with the Bengals and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. All three of them are still going to be relevant because, like you said, there's pretty much always three receivers on the field, unless you're the Patriots and you've got two stud receiving tight ends. But Two tight ends, seven running backs on the field. <laughs> right. <laughs> And they'll 19 probably, offensive they'll probably linemen. end up putting like a left guard out wide or something. <laughs> like the That's way. the Patriot way, though. So, Gosh. yeah. Let's uh, uh, agreed. Let's move on. Let's let's jump into uh, Terrace Marshall. He's up next here. He was drafted late second round, mostly due to injury concerns. Could have been a first rounder to Carolina here. Uh, joins a receiving core that already has DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and now has their temporary, maybe long-term quarterback in Sam Darnold. What do we think is going on dynasty-wise for Terrace Marshall? Yeah, and again, like Ellis had touched on a little bit earlier, he's part of that great LSU team that won the college championship two years ago with Joe Burrow and had great production there. And um, A little bit of a drop-off from Joe Burrow, I think, to Sam Darnold, but I Sam Darnold was solid. I mean, you look at some of the receivers that he had there that Robbie Anderson was productive when he was there. Jameson Crowder had production there with PPR leagues and everything. So I don't necessarily like the quarterback situation there, throwing him the ball, but long-term dynasty wise, I, I love the fit there. They got a nice high powered offense, got great receivers surrounding him as well, that it's not just going to be him that they're looking to feed the ball and defenses will key in on him. You got DJ Moore there. You got Robbie Anderson there. Hell, you got Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield catching passes too. So it's an offense where you don't necessarily know where the ball's going on any given play. So I like him a lot more for dynasty aspects than redraft because I I just don't think Sam Darnold's a long-term answer there. And they're only tied to him for another season after this one since they picked up his fifth-year option. So it could be something that they look and see that, oh, he didn't have a great year this year. Let's just cut him now and – cut our ties and draft a new quarterback and then you got a whole nother learning situation there as well so but otherwise from his college tape just phenomenal talent yeah there's i mean the way or the uh there's no question that terrace marshall was drafted in the second round to eventually be at you know the guy right next to dj moore because of robbie anderson is on a contract year and so eventually once anderson moves on that's going to put marshall right into that number two slot so i love him in dynasty um as far as redrafts i still think he's going to be relevant i i would have loved to have him in our draft that we did the other day uh i i think he's going to end up having a really strong career 
just a good, really strong all-around receiver. Yeah, everything on tape for Terrace, he just he just has the look of an NFL receiver. He's got the height, he's got the speed, he's got great hands. He's he's going to be in this league for a long time. His injury history so far is a couple of different kinds of broken bones, which are not the type of injuries that really worry you long term. They're not the repeatable injuries. So he's got a good shot at, at staying healthy, uh, at, at least as much of a shot as any receiver does. And yeah, when Robbie Anderson's shipped out of town, Terrace takes over as the number two. Maybe they get a new quarterback. Maybe Sam's great. Either way, that's good news for Terrace Marshall long term. Love him in Dynasty, and I was the one that came away with him in our league the other day. Uh, so I'm quite excited about that moving forward. Uh, let's let's jump into someone that Josh picked the other day. Rondell Moore picked uh, middle of the second round to Arizona, joining DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, maybe Julio Jones, question mark, oh, God. according to DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> Where is uh, it? What do they, they, <laughs> they even have left to send? <laughs> yeah yeah cardinals are out of out of value i don't know how else they can possibly get julio but uh josh give me give me your take on rondale given that you just drafted him well i was pleasantly just surprised to find him still available in the beginning of our third round of our rookie draft the insane. other day so i don't know how he fell that far because he's somebody that i easily could have taken in the top of the second round as well so i loved him at purdue he had great production at purdue and purdue's team was not not great at all we saw them a lot in the big 10 and they're pretty much a cakewalk for his first couple seasons as well so um very smaller receiver but he's one that you could get involved in the run game running the wide receiver screen or doing whatever out on the side and just let him get into space and get open with the ball just get him the ball just any way you can so (laughs) like with kyler murray You've got DeAndre Hopkins there to take a lot of the pressure off of him. So he'll be the number one corner lined up against DeAndre Hopkins. So he's going to have all the room in the world to run around. And the only thing holding back that offense is uh, Cliff Kingsbury, but that's another subject. <laughs> yeah. I Kingsbury, though, <laughs> won't affect anything fantasy wise. He'll just affect the, uh, the win, the win loss record <laughs> where you're almost always guaranteed to be 500 or below. But that doesn't that's which they weren't last year because of that freaking the uh hail murray hail murray yeah uh, that screwed me <laughs> on my over under bet i had i had the under at seven and a half on the uh win total for the cardinals they ended up eight and eight because of that freaking hail mary but uh, that's, an, <laughs> that's, that's why you don't bet that's kids. another subject for another day <laughs> What's interesting about Rondale Moore, he's 5'7", listed at 5'7", 180. That makes him six inches shorter than Devontae Smith, yet still 14 pounds heavier. But he's still got mad speed. I think he ran a 4'29 or something. Uh, yeah, 4'29's right. Yeah. Just electric speed. Yeah. Pro day. Pro day. Pro day. Pro day. Pro day. But still, blazing speed. Again, one of those guys where just, just get him the ball. He's not going to be, you know, uh, they're not going to line him, line him up out wide. They're going to use him all over the place. And, you know, there is relevance there. I still think that he's going to be, especially as, you know, especially early on, while they're still kind of trying to figure out how to use him. He's going to have some weeks where he could put up just absolute duds. But hopefully, I'm thinking year two, year three, 
and they finally figure out, okay, which it may take Kingsbury a while to figure it out. Uh, once they do figure out how to use him, I think he's got some real sweet potential to put up a lot of points. They're going to get him the ball in the backfield on jet sweeps, that kind of stuff. So I in redraft leagues, I'm not super high on him. Dynasty, I you know, you're going to probably take him, I would think, mid-late rounds. I think a good comp, too, for him and his usage and what they should be doing is players that are also in the same division in them and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I think if they utilize him in that aspect, they could be very valuable for the fantasy aspect. Yeah, I, I think I think best ball leagues is the best place to get him right now yeah. just because of the games where he takes one first play of the game for 80 yards for a touchdown because Kyler hits him on a 10-yard slant and he plows over a guy. It's it, He's so interesting at 5'7", and he, and he runs like Brandon Jacobs and just destroys people. Uh, I he's he's the most curious receiver in this entire group. And I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here and just try to try to throw some shade and see see where it goes. Uh, Rondell Moore's freshman season at Purdue was All insane, wasn't he? His his tape was bad shit. Bat shit. I never understood the difference between bad shit and bat shit. Uh, whatever. Um, bad shit is what caused covid so this is kind of oh good point right now <laughs> all right yeah i didn't think about that uh he was really good his freshman season he destroyed people ohio state in particular it was great his uh, his sophomore season he had a hamstring injury that took him out of the games for i don't know half the season more than half the season and then his junior season he had a lower body injury which no level of research will tell you what that means and my concern is that it was once again a hamstring injury it's or like some the, sort it's of like the uh, nhl uh injury reports where they just say upper body lower body yeah, yeah. it it <laughs> it means nothing on the surface but if you you know dig deeper why would they phrase it so so generically it might be because it would hurt his nfl stock if they knew that he had Maybe the same he just hamstring had the runs every week Maybe he did, and that would be weird. But he also could have just had the same hamstring act up for a second season in a row. There's a chance that what his career looks like is that when he's on the field, he is awesome, and he is dangerous, and he can take any ball to the house, but he's on the field for six games a season, and that's my concern. You go back yeah. to, that's why I, I comp to the Debo to... comp. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Debo's Debo a perfect, just like perfect example. He's on the field, he's electric, and could at any given time could take the ball to the house, but yeah, injuries are what concerns you. Yeah. So at least when he goes into a game healthy, you know, you're going to get something that's fun. Um, let's, let's move on uh, to another very electric player. Who's got some question marks of his own drafted in the first round at the 20th overall pick to the New York giants. Kadarius Tony out of Florida. What do we think of his rather unusual rise to a first round draft selection unusual what... is the <laughs> is the only way to, to describe this um i mean we all know you know that di- that giants depth chart is is nuts in that wide receiver room it's loaded I, I they just brought they just put it just paid mad money for what are uh, they doing it's dave gettleman <laughs> that, that guy's an idiot but yeah you know I'm just trying to struggle, or I'm struggling to find out where he's going to find playing time. I mean, they just paid, I, what was it, $18 mil a year for Kenny Galladay. 
So he's going to yep. be on the field every play. Darius Slayton, still strong. Sterling Shepard, strong. Is Tony going to be just, you know, he's going to obviously be a special teams contributor, I would think, for them. For and sure. And special packages, but absolutely, he's not going to be... It's, he's not going to be an every down player. He, he, there's just, yeah. It's not going to happen. No, and that's going back to some of the other points that I've made with other quarterbacks and situations that we've discussed as well. You need to see more from Daniel Jones as well. If you've got a receiver that's fighting for playing time and a quarterback that is not putting up a ton of yards passing, it, it's not a great combo for fantasy. So for redraft purposes, I yeah, I... I don't know that I would draft him. And then on top of that, Saquon is back. He's he's going to yep. take how many balls, you know? Yeah. He's going to take same, how many same role receiving wise. Exactly. And and they're going to I would assume run the ball more now that they got Saquon back rather than Wayne freaking Gallman. So I yeah, I, Tony I, was, I don't see it with I don't see it with Tony. Yeah, and Tony was a guy I, I really liked coming into the draft too. And then once he got drafted by the Giants, it just to the right like, oh, team. Well, there it would goes make that. Sense. Absolutely, but the Giants. He would he would be sweet in Baltimore if you could have add him to that yeah. rushing attack. That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. let no. Lamar throw it ten yards to Tony and let, and let yeah, him and do just the rest. Let him dance, but well, Daniel Jones been interesting in Tennessee too. I would have liked to see. Oh him gone yeah. There. That would have been an interesting one-two backfield too, yeah. with with him and Henry, Henry. kind of little thunder and lightning. I mean, that's where I yeah, see Tony he, contributing at least earlier on is probably going to play be, the Percy Harvin role. You know, exactly, kind of in the backfield, all over the place. You know, probably throw him in motion a lot, a lot of you know shallow dig routes, that kind of stuff. But you know, he's useless in. Any sort, if it's a non PPR league, I think he's effectively useless, at least in a redraft. Uh, Dynasty, yeah. If you want to take a late round flyer at him, go ahead. But I'm not super. Yeah, it's hard to say. Hard to say what his actual fantasy value is going to be because when is he going to have a game with ten catches in it? Like I just don't know how he gets consistent enough production to be a guy that you're pumped about to have on your fantasy team. I don't get it. I don't get why the Giants spent a first-round pick on him. I get why they wanted Devonta Smith a little bit, just because he's you know a more consistent player and you can use him anywhere on the field. But to to settle for Tony like eight picks later or whatever they did, I I, I don't I don't see it. Smith is a, um, is a way more talented player than Tony. You could throw Devonta yeah. Smith even with Slayton and Shepard there. You could probably throw Devonta Smith into that wide receiver two or three role. Yeah. You can't throw yeah, he Tony would immediately... into that wide receiver two or three. That I no, he's don't... not. He, he's not ready. His rap career is a little too strong right now. Uh, let's uh, before we jump Tony into the our Tiger. next guy. Let... <laughs> but as we... he's great. not great. As... <laughs> what a perfect breakfast cereal. Speaking of breakfast cereal, that's one of our sponsors. Just kidding. We know sponsors. <laughs> um, you know what? I okay. Just to go off on a little tangent, since we brought up Frosted Flakes and breakfast cereals, I had, I normally absolutely love Honey Bunches of Oats. It's my favorite cereal. Hun- honey Good Bunches shit. of Oats with almonds. That's my favorite cereal. Not a sponsor. I bought. <laughs> not a spo- Hashtag, hashtag not, not a sponsor. sponsor. <laughs> uh, I bought the Frosted version of Honey Bunches of Oats, thinking, okay, Frosted Flakes and Honey Bunches of Oats. This is going to be incredible. It's just 
not there's i it's just is it just pure sugar no there's maybe it's just not sugary enough i don't know (laughs) oh weird it's it's like just just (laughs) reduced sugar but it's frosty i i don't i don't get it just strange stay away if if you're a Honey Bunches of Oats fan, stick with what you like. Don't veer. You don't, hear that, Honey Bunches of Oats? Don't veer Stop into making the, the oh, hashtag version. we want you to sponsor, but uh, <laughs> not the frosted version. <laughs> Just though. not the frosted version. No, no, no. no. Go with the almonds, the original. The strawberry one's actually pretty good. But we won't but, take your dirty uh, frosted money. If I had to, if I had to put actually, a, we will a power <laughs> ranking of the four of the four uh, Honey Bunches of Oats varieties. Frosted would be last. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's uh falls let's into that move wide, on. falls into that serial number 4 just like Kadarius Tony does in the Giants wide receiver. What a room. perfect segue there we go. into our next wide receiver. Amon Ra St. Brown drafted out of USC going to Detroit in the 4th round. He's probably, you know, first instinct, he's got one of the best landing spots of any of the receivers in this entire draft because he doesn't have as much competition as anyone. He's, he's surrounded by mediocrity, and he is pretty great himself. What do you guys think of Amon Ra's outlook this season and beyond? I really like him, actually, in redrafts this year for, like, a later round. I think somebody's got to catch the ball in Detroit. you got Hockley's there, which he's going to be a target monster this year, getting a lot of Goff's not catches. a bad quarterback. Goff has shown he's <laughs> been productive and had productive receivers with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So, and Detroit is in a rebuild and they're going to be absolute trash this year down in games, which there's going to be a lot of garbage time yards and garbage time points to go. So Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be arguably their wide receiver one this year. So I, it's not going to be pretty, but I think you'll get some production from him long-term wise, a little bit more hesitant with it. If, Detroit's in the rebuild because they're going to be keep loading up at the receiver position as time goes on. And Goff, they could probably cut him after next year, draft a new quarterback, and then you've got to deal with the whole rookie quarterback situation again for a year and build the rapport and everything there. So there might be a little bit of a downward trend after that. But for redraft purposes, I think later on in the draft, he's somebody that you could sneak away with and get some good production this year. Yep, pretty much same thing. I, I I'm going to pretty much give him the same take as I gave with Devontae Smith. Obviously, there's a talent disparity between him and Smith, but the landing spot is right. Uh, I would consider him in a redraft league and a dynasty draft pretty, you know, there's not going to be a huge gap there. I think that his upside is now. I, I, I think he's going to be contributing now. And, you know, Tyrell Williams speed guy struggles to stay on the field Brashad Perryman speed guy never really put up mad numbers and then you got Quintez Sevis a podcast favorite as a former Badger but let's be honest about you know where he sits on the talent scale and and St. Brown put up great numbers seven uh, receiving touchdowns in six games last year with USC so he puts up numbers on he puts up you know production on the field i think that that can that's going to be the same case in in detroit this this rookie season at least yeah totally agree uh steps into the best best landing spot arguably of anybody here um and good good college tape from the very beginning he didn't have you know a a sudden breakout he was just kind of always awesome at usc uh great great tracking the ball downfield 
Goff can can get his deep targets with uh, Tyrell and Amon Ra. Um, I I I'm excited about him for redraft and dynasty alike. I, yeah, Josh, you were right. Long term, they will draft other big time receivers that will take over the number one spot in Detroit eventually. Until that happens, Amon Ra's a fun guy to have. So. Uh, grab him when you can get him at a value. You know, if you're in dynasty or a, I mean, a rookie rookie draft, maybe late late second round. If you can get him in the third, cool. Um, falls into into that category with a few other guys we've mentioned. Uh, let's let's jump into another Brown, uh, Diami Brown, drafted to Washington in the third round, out of North Carolina. Big time deep threat in college. Uh, haven't seen enough tape on his other route tree options yet. What do we think uh, alongside Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel? What's his future? I mean, you got Fitz Magic there, so anything can happen. I mean, <laughs> deep Fitz threat magic. for Fitz Magic, man. Yeah, I mean, he's shown that he's been able to get production to his wide receivers. I mean, <laughs> you got Devontae Parker who didn't do a whole lot, and then Fitz Magic came into Miami and breakout season revived his yeah revived his career. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you got Terry McLaurin there. It's got a nice young core. You got Curtis Samuel there as well. Um, I like it a lot. I think for redraft leagues, he's somebody you could potentially again take a flyer on later in the yeah late rounds, later, late rounds on it, and see where it goes. He's going to be on the field right away. They don't really have much else there. I mean, you got those three guys are pretty much be your three wide receivers that they use and dynasty purposes too. It's yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, you know that the obvious number one in Washington is is McLaurin. He's not taking any any targets away from him. But Fitzmagic does like to whip the ball all over the field, and you know, even when he's had just likes to whip it out everywhere. Just, just oh, whip it, <laughs> whip it real good. Bum, bum. Long history of whipping it out. Um, but <laughs> 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 he, but uh, 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 he is gonna be a very I think him with Fitz, that's pretty, you know, boom bust guy. I don't, I personally don't typically love these boom bust guys, but they, but when they're, if they're used right, it's obviously, you know, it's going to work out for him. And I think that it can in Washington. So I, I got no, I got no qualms about taking him. Like, like you guys said in, in those later rounds, uh, especially in your redraft leagues, you know, if you can get him late, go ahead. If you can, if it's a dynasty round, you know, kind of again that mid to late round area. Yeah, I, I mean, clearly one of the best deep threats coming out of college. But he, I, I check some interviews on him because I always watch interviews of any player that I consider drafting in a dynasty league. And he was asked, you know, what he thought of his route tree and what he could potentially do, and he said straight up. North Carolina didn't ask me to run other routes for the vast majority of my time. It was a lot of deep routes, and that's why my tape shows all these deep catches and nothing else. He he believes that he can run the other routes, and I'm going to take him at his word in part also because uh, Chris Collinsworth, you know, think what you will about him okay, as an announcer. he's just a blowhard, but um, whatever. But uh, he, he, he graded De'Ami Brown as a first-round talent right up alongside Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, those kind of players. And didn't uh, he, Chris Collinsworth didn't understand why he fell so far, thought it was a huge value steal of the draft for, for Washington. I'm not saying that that's automatically the case, but 
the more people that believe that Deami Brown can do more than just be a deep threat, the better I feel about his fantasy future uh, playing alongside Curtis Samuel, who's who's a specialist in the in the slot, good on the outside, specialist in the slot, and Terry McLaurin, who's already great. This can be one heck of an offense with Fitz right now and with a future QB that replaces him if they do the draft right down the road. I, I see a great dynasty oh, I, future for I really for like this guy, Deami Brown. I don't understand why he's going all the way down to the third round. This guy is a, a first-round talent. I, I, I just don't understand sometimes what these general managers are doing out here. That's my comment. You sound like a mix of Collinsworth and Barack Obama. I'll take that. I'll take okay. that. <laughs> it's not the worst thing. The tone of voice needs to change. you got to get higher a little bit. Is that Does it, it okay. count as our first celebrity appearance on our show? <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that must be it then. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Chris Collins. That was uh, uh, nice drop there. We're going to uh, now that now that Chris is off uh, off to do his own podcast, we're going to move on to our next wide receiver, Amari Rogers, pairing up with maybe Aaron Rodgers or maybe uh, Trash Heap Jordan Love. We'll find out. Uh, he was drafted in the third round, which is not high enough for Aaron Rodgers' standards. But uh, what do you guys what do you guys think coming out of Clemson? He, he's got some he's got some pretty nice highlights on tape. What's his What's his future looking like? Yeah, he's got some great highlights, but I think you hit the nail on the head. It, who's throwing him the ball? That's the question everybody wants to know and what's going to matter for his fantasy outlook as well. Um, if Aaron Rodgers is there, I I love it. He had great tape at Clemson. Shows He's proved he can play in big games, and Aaron Rodgers would love to have him as a target as well. That wide receiver two spot in Green Bay is up for grabs. I mean, Lazard has been injured part of the year last year. You got MVS who – Maybe he'll catch the ball. Maybe he won't. And Aaron Rodgers needs somebody that's more consistent lined up opposite of Devontae Adams. And Aaron Rodgers has proven that regardless, he can make any wide receiver relevant for fantasy and make multiple wide receivers relevant as well. So if Aaron Rodgers is there, absolutely love him for redraft purposes. Um, Dynasty outlook, a little bit more hesitant with that. Same with any of the Devontae Adams owners as well, because once Rodgers is gone, you're going to see a drop-off in production there unless somebody else comes in, because I don't think they're very confident with Jordan Love. Yeah, what I'm intrigued by with Rodgers, with Amari Rodgers, <laughs> is, <laughs> is because Devontae Adams on another show said if Aaron Rodgers goes, Devontae is he's going to be a lot more hesitant to re-sign, and his contract is up after this season. So does that throw Amari Rodgers? If, let's say, they move on from Aaron, Devontae doesn't re-sign, does that throw Amari into that wide receiver one role? I would think that they would take another receiver, but yep. you could still, but at if that, if that happens, that still means Amari's going to be the wide receiver one for the Packers, at least at some point, if they lose both those guys. So Spe- Yeah, especially when he gets a year of experience under his belt before someone else comes in. He's going to just walk into that wide receiver one role until he's forced out of it by someone else, which who knows, maybe that won't ever happen. I, I saw the comps to him or with him and Randall Cobb. And Cobb had put up some real sweet years with the Packers. Of course, that's with Aaron Rodgers out there throwing the ball around. So 
it's it's very QB dependent. I personally don't see Aaron going anywhere, but if this were to happen and he were to move on to another team, then obviously that's going to affect Amari's production. It's it's all a toss up. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think that sums it up. Uh, mozzarella sticks are delicious. Let's move on to Hell Blaine yeah. Eskridge. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> transitions, huh? Uh, Dwayne Eskridge gets drafted by Seattle in the late second round. He's one of those uh, one of those smaller guys playing the slot a lot, speedster. He's joining DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett with Russell Wilson throwing throwing him the ball. Should be fun to watch if nothing else in Seattle. What's the fantasy impact for Dwayne Eskridge? Gotta let Russ cook. <laughs> Yeah. Cook those mod sticks, huh? Hashtag let yeah. us cook those mod sticks. <laughs> Are you eating Heard it here vegan mod sticks here or something? Where... No, I'm not eating anything. <laughs> I'm craving thing. things. <laughs> um, yeah, I I like it. I like the landing spot for him. They didn't have anybody else really for that wide receiver three spot. I mean, obviously you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett locked in as your wide receiver one and two. Um for redraft purposes, I probably not draft him, have him sit on the waivers, keep an eye for him at least this year. For dynasty outlook long term, yeah. I mean, Lockett's not going to be there forever. DK is one that they're going to keep around for a long time. So down the road, you got a lot of potential for Dwayne to be a bigger impact in their offense. Um, but again, Russ is going to have to start passing the ball around more. Not that he doesn't want to. Pete Carroll wants to run the ball more, apparently. Right. So that's more of what the issue is with this offense. But if they let Russ start throwing the ball around, he's definitely got enough passing yards on the season and touchdowns to make three wide receivers fairly relevant. So, Yeah, Tyler Lockett was interesting last year. He had kind of a sneaky year. He ended up as a top-10 receiver, which – is a lot sexier than it really was, given yeah. how few games he was playable. Exactly. So yeah. it's it was an all or nothing year for Lockett. No kidding <laughs> for, for his games. I'm not so high on Eskridge. He will fall into that third receiver spot, but Lockett did just sign a four year extension, and obviously we know DK is not going anywhere. So I'm not really too high the on the Olympics. Him. <laughs> well we saw how that worked out for him in his in his 100 yard dash yeah. but uh i don't know i mean they did take him in the second round for a reason but seattle also doesn't have like the greatest drafting pedigree i mean they took rashad penny in the first who's amounted to absolutely nothing yeah i i don't know if i i'm not i'm not uh an eskridge fan here as a player yes his landing spot not necessarily so i i personally am staying away from him yeah i i get that it sounds like seattle's trying to make a little more of a push to pass more um i think that they realized that a lot of their success last year came from when russ was cooking and they really started to falter when they tried to go away from that and get back to pete carroll run the ball football given that their defense blows round and pound uh, baby so, so yeah, if they can actually make a make a scheme change and throw the ball more, then maybe Eskridge becomes more valuable. Hopefully, you can just get him very late in your in your drafts or uh, pick him up off the waiver wire. But if you're in a dynasty or, or having a rookie draft come up, 
you're probably going to have to draft him. And if so, just do so in in the later rounds. I mean, third third is pretty reasonable because most of the guys we've talked about so far on this podcast will be gone by then. That's when you can take Dwayne before the rest of the guys that get even more questionable in terms of their landing spots. Speaking of which, there's a lot of questions coming out of Houston right now. Uh, and Nico Collins was just drafted there in the third round. Uh, you know, quarterback, total mystery, entire organization could sink into the ocean. What's going to happen for Nico Collins as this traditional A.J. Green-style receiver? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Houston's just an absolute shit show right now. Who's throwing <laughs> him the ball? I mean, you got Brandon Cooks there, which is like we talked about a little bit earlier on. He's awesome. He usually finishes top 20 every year regardless of where he's at. So he's always productive. So right away he's locked in as the wide receiver too um, with that. But, yeah, who's throwing him the ball? <laughs> and honestly, if for me right now, I'm not, I'm not touching Houston until I know who's quarterbacking. Because, yeah. Pretend a hurricane is, just came through and just stay out of Houston. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, that's my outlook on it. I even for Dynasty right now, I I'm staying away from anybody in Houston right now until more stuff is coming out and you figure out if Deshaun's there, if Deshaun's out of the league for a while, what's going on. Yeah, I same exact boat. I, I'm not touching him. He he is gonna fall into a pretty prominent role. It's kind of amazing to me that Brandon Cooks is their top receiver. Somehow that guy's just he's still they're idiots for giving up a second rounder for him but he's but nico is probably going to fall into that you know wide receiver two three for the texans but dude if tyrod taylor's throwing on the ball th- that team's gonna they're gonna have to draft a quarterback if if deshaun isn't on their team next year taylor's not the answer davis mills davis unless they unless davis mills shines they're gonna end up as probably the number a top three pick assuming deshaun doesn't play shit they still were the they still had the third pick in the draft with deshaun last year so there's too many holes in that team i i just i really don't trust any of their players i'm personally gonna be staying away yeah, for the the organization of Houston to have already been struggling with horrible mismanagement and then to have their quarterback go down to a bunch of lawsuits that are probably going to, I don't know, maybe he's played his last down of football. Maybe he takes a year off and deals with this shit. Regardless, I think it's time that we retire the Houston Texans and pick up, you know, Mexico City or London or someone else. I. Let's change it because this this management is disgusting. Uh, let, let's let's move on to these these last four receivers. We want to just quick touch on. Uh, we'll we'll do very brief brief thoughts. Uh, Josh Tutu Atwell, surprisingly second round pick, tiny receiver out of Louisville, goes to the Rams. What what do you think? Does he have a fantasy impact? He's probably the I mean, uh, gadget sp- player, absolute speedster. But yeah, yeah. Where there's a lot of mouths to feed in. in LA so I yeah I mean he's he might see more time with injuries you got Stafford in there now and Stafford it's fantastic quarterback when he's on the field and that offense is going to be insane to watch if he's healthy but yeah Tutu I think he's looking at more special teams right now and maybe work his way into a wide receiver three four role in there but I think redraft purposes 
put him down, mark him down on a sheet of paper or something for players to watch as the season starts and just kind of eye the roll. Dynasty-wise, yeah, if you're picking your third, fourth round, maybe take a flyer on him and let him sit for a bit just to kind of see how his role works out. But, yeah, redraft-wise, I'm not not touching it with how many mouths to feed there are in L.A. Sitting on the in the same exact spot, uh, fourth round in a rookie draft, okay, but I'm not – he's going to be a fourth receiver. I, they did take him in the second, but I think that that was more of – more to kind of provide – a downfield threat because pretty much everything that the Rams offense has been over the last couple of years, you know, is they don't have any downfield threats. So it's been mostly crossing patterns underneath stuff, uh, you know, feed the running backs, that kind of stuff. They also brought in Deshaun Jackson for that same purpose. Now Deshaun is, it's pretty much inevitable that he's going to get hurt that's that's an annual tradition you know is this his 32nd team or where are we at with deshaun you know what i would say 33rd uh oh gotcha but there's only 32 teams so i think because the oilers that's right you know he's the he's the he's like he's like the uh the kardashians where you know he's just gonna hit up everybody you know in the league (laughs) just like the kardashians and the nba players so uh but but uh, going back to Tutu, yeah, I'm I mean late pick in rookie, you know, fourth round rookie draft. Yes, go ahead. Before that, I'm steering clear. I'm not touching him in redraft and dynasty wise. I if you want to again deep deep bench, go ahead. But I'm not super high on him, at least in his current role. Heard, Josh Palmer. Los Angeles Chargers, third-round pick. Not a lot of tape in college because his quarterback play sucked in college. <laughs> Josh, you just drafted him a few days ago in our Dynasty League. What uh, what gives you hope about Josh Palmer and his Dynasty value? You kind of stole my thunder with that because Tennessee's quarterback play was absolutely atrocious when he was there. I was reading a PFF article by Andrew Erickson that touched on he – his deep balls that were thrown to him, only 31% of them were catchable, deemed catchable. So there is not a lot of tape because of how bad he is. Uh, the quarterback play was, not <laughs> not Josh Palmer. But um, he's six one. He's got great hands, um, good route running as well. I really like the Chargers offense as well. It's up and coming. You got Justin Herbert there as well, so that's why I took a little bit of a flyer on him. There are some other receivers that are going to, going to be competing for that wide receiver three spot but with new coaches coming in they aren't really necessarily tied to any of them either so um, another pff guy had uh comped uh, him to terry mclaurin as well too so that's a little bit of a good comp as well for him so i i like the aspect for it um redraft purposes again he's one of those that you just kind of sit and see how everything plays out don't necessarily have to take a draft pick on him dynasty wise somebody third fourth round take a shot and just kind of see how it plays out yeah third fourth in a rookie draft just to confirm. correct yes yes, yes. <laughs> yes. yeah <laughs> i you know i i would feel he does have some sweet traits but he was a three-star recruit coming out of high school in canada in in canada and he didn't really have great college production of course he had the qb situation to deal with but I mean, 
Quint, uh, going back to Cephas, he had freaking Hornybrook throwing in the ball, and he still put up pretty good numbers. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm not big on him, but there are opportunities for him to at least get on the field. So, you know, third, fourth round, I guess, in a rookie draft. I'm not touching him in a redraft. I'm no, you know, he's a he's a bench guy in a dynasty in a dynasty situation. Yeah. Uh... Totally agree. I believe in Justin Herbert, and therefore I'm always interested in who the Chargers are going to have a receiver. But uh, until we see it start happening, I don't know what to think. You know, Jalen Guyton was pretty good last year. Um, they, they've got some guys who are going to be ahead of Josh Palmer, at least at the beginning of the season. Maybe it changes as the season goes on, but we'll see. Uh, let's let's pop over to check in on old TB12 Tom Brady down in Tampa. He's got a new receiver uh, Jalen Darden out of North Texas right after Antonio Brown was just accused of something else. What did he do? Beat up a semi-truck driver? Oh, mo- I, moving. Probably... No, so last... <laughs> moving truck. That's moving. a moving last, truck. Yeah, la- so last offseason when he <laughs> Sorry. was... He just had... He, <laughs> he uh, you know, while he was going on his absolute just fuck-up streak, uh, you know, <laughs> after the incident with the feet and the incident with the helmet, well, then he goes and assaults a moving truck driver with... with he, he was throwing rocks at the guy and at his truck. What a psycho. <laughs> Idiot. But they did re-sign... The Bucks did re-sign him. Re-sign Antonio Brown. And that just puts... To a suspended contract. They, <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's only... So the guy's only suing for $30,000. I don't know. I would think you could get more out of that, but... He probably didn't want to go balls deep because that case could yeah, just Yeah, try get to get your 30. Out. Yeah, go, go get Take your, your 30, 30 walk away. And, and uh and walk but but darden uh the the case with darden i mean antonio brown you obviously got mike evans you obviously got chris godwin scotty miller played a sweet role where does darden fall on that depth chart as your fifth receiver so if everyone's on the field assuming even assuming there's no cryotherapy frozen feet incidents with a b again even Tyler Johnson looked good yeah, at times yeah. last year too. So it's yeah, I I've got the same aspect you do with this Ellis that I redraft absolutely not, not even in consideration right no. now. <laughs> no way whatsoever. Deep, but deep even, bench stash, I'm good deep with Deep as fuck yeah. bench. That yeah. that wide receiver core will not look the same at all in two years' time, and Jalen Darden will be one of the old, only guys left on contract. So stash him if you have the space to do it. But redraft, don't even think about it. Yeah. He's one that if there's a couple injuries to some of the wide receivers, he could definitely have production because any wide receiver could have a lot of production with Tom Brady throwing the ball, but he's got too big of a hurdle to jump with all the guys in front of him. Yeah. Last guy we want to bring up on wide receivers, Tylen Wallace. Uh, only worth bringing up because he was also drafted to Baltimore, a very wide receiver needy team. He was late fourth rounder. Uh, they already had Rashad Bateman from the first round. Of course, Hollywood Brown's already there. Sammy Watkins, what? It, obviously, he's not a redraft player. What is his only strictly dynasty value? I see him in the same exact Bench spot. Stash. As, I see him in the same exact spot as Darden. Stash, yeah. you know, yeah. stash him and good talent, and and see if you know when he does hit the field if they can do something with him. But that's about yeah. It yeah. Me. The, exact same way i mean we already had that discussion with lamar jackson that he's passing for 180 yards a game so 
you're looking at their wide receivers, maybe three, maybe four. I mean, you're not going to get any production out of that unless we see a change in their offensive scheme. Yeah, if your bench is deep enough to dig through the bargain bin to find guys to fill it, then Tylen Wallace might as well be one of them. But uh, otherwise, no need in, in any small bench or redraft league. Way to finish strong. Good work, boys. Ricky, before we wrap this up, for all the listeners out there, we did record this before the announcement of the Julio trade to the Titans. So please just excuse the mentioning of him in the Jalen Waddle and Rondale Moore segments. One more thing that we all need all you guys to do, hit us up in the DMs on both IG and Twitter. That's at Dead Arm Sports on both IG and Twitter. And make sure you use that hashtag D-A-S. Hashtag D-A-S. On your chosen listening platform, subscribe, rate, review. Let's blow this thing up. We'll see you next time.